Well, my stuff. So no mystery here. Um, so what, one of the things we're, we're doing is we're transitioning um, our study. And one of the, I explained last week that one of the very basic things here is we believe the Bible, that the Bible's true, the inerrant word of God. We follow it to the letter, if at all possible. Um, and we do our very best to live by the law and the direction of God himself as seen in his word. And so what we'll do is we'll typically take like a section or a passage of scripture or a book of the Bible and we'll just study it. And some people are totally stoked about that. That's one thing that we've gotten a lot of good response from people. They're like, I just love that you take a section of scripture and just go like this, what the verse says, let's talk about it. And we go from there. And then sometimes as well, we'll take bigger chunks. And, and in some of the larger books, we'll take bigger pieces and kind of highlight for you and, and hope that throughout the course of the week, you can go through and you can spend some time in the word, reading that book, reading that text and letting that fill you to overflowing so that you influence the world around you. Now, this series that we put in here is kind of what we would call a gap series. And, and there are certain things that we will uh, interject in between those series um, of book studies. And it's important to do that because sometimes, man, it can get, you know, when you do like a 16-week study on Galatians, which is how we started the church, which was kind of funny, which we are weeks away from one year of existence. Can you believe it? Like crazy. Some of you are like, no, this is my first time. Don't have a clue what you're talking about. Praise God. All right. Um, but, but really it's, it's kind of a cool thing for us. But after you get into like 16 weeks of a book, you know, sometimes it's good to just go, okay, so let's, let's talk about what it means to be this church. One of the things that um, this series is providing us is an opportunity to just understand that God wants to use unlikely people in unlikely places for unlikely things. And it's hard for us to imagine uh, that God would want to use us, really. And, and literally, I think that's some of the thing that we struggle with is, is like, really, does God really want to use me? And last week, one of the things that we did, and I was going to show you on the super cool video without sound, um, was just kind of that idea, that roll call of people that God used, that totally unlikely people. And when, when we technically or, or typically think of who God wants to use, we, we most often uh, put our minds toward like people in big flashy places with, with big uh, calls and big wallets and big influence and all that. But if you actually look at Scripture, what you find is the most unlikely, unknown people being used by God. In fact, the places that they would see the flashy people and the big names with lots of influence, those are most often the people that are opposed to the work of God. Or those are the people that when they're doing the work of God have to be directed around specially. And it's really, really interesting. In fact, I, I, I was thinking about this, and, and you may not think about this often, but at the time of Christ, the Caesar was like a big deal. Herod was a big deal. And, and everyone would have known the Caesar and everyone would have known Herod and everyone would have really associated and put their minds toward them and thought, man, this kingdom, in fact, they said about Rome that it was the kingdom that would live forever. 
That was the mindset. That was the attitude. That was the, the heart place. That the, This kingdom is beyond all kingdoms that have ever existed. And this, these people that lead this, they are like gods. They're, they're immortal because of their influence. So people in our, our, in our mindset would have been praying, God, would you just turn Caesar's heart to you so that people would be one for your cause? Here's, here's an interesting thing to think about. If it had not been for Herod and Caesar and Pilate to be mentioned in the story of Christ's birth, there's a good chance no one would even recognize them. Their fame came as the result of being associated with the birth of Christ and the story of Christ that was made famous. And the gospel message hangs somewhere their name is title tied in there i want to encourage you that the things that you and i might see as the most natural and the most ready uh, illustrations of who god would want to use might just be a completely different thing and so we came to this place using this illustration last night saying god my prayer is use me i'm not perfect I don't have it all together. Honestly, I'm kind of a bucket of mess most of the time. And that's because we see who we are. I gave the uh, joyful illustration of catching a glimpse of yourself as you're getting ready to get dressed in the full-length mirror, right? And you're like, oh God, no, hide, right? No, none of us. We see each other in all of what we are. We see our own things that we're not proud of and that we're not inspired by. And when I look in the mirror, I see the blemishes and I see the brokenness that probably no one else would see. You know, it's interesting as raising our kids, the more that I go along in life, I I hear of people that are struggling in their life and their marriage and, and all these things because they think mom and dad had it all together. They put out this big, mom and dad never struggled with this. Mom and dad had it all aligned and I'm just a mess up and I'm just struggling and why can't I be more like that? And on further reflection, more and more people are finding that no, mom and dad didn't have it together. They just didn't talk about it. Mom and dad didn't have things lined up and, and they struggled with the same issues of brokenness. It was just something we never shared. And what we're finding is the more transparent we are in our relationships and our families and, and in doing life together, it's actually excessively more and more healthy. Because if I can reveal to you these places that I'm, I'm honestly embarrassed about, then maybe you will understand and know that when you're struggling with it, that it's not just your brokenness and it's not just your thing. My encouragement is as we raise our kids, as we do life together, that we could look and say, check me out. In all my mess, God still wants to use me. In fact, I feel like when I look into the word that the more messed up we think we are, the more God wants to make his name great through us. 
For those of us who portray this scene of like, we've got it all together. For those of us who put out that vibe of like, hey man, check me out. I got it going on. Then when God does something great through us, it's nothing astounding because you're expected to do great things. But for those of us who say, hey, and I'm not asking you to go out and, you know, declare you know, all your sins on the corner and all that kind of stuff. Or, let, you know, there's this false humility thing where people kind of make up this, oh, I'm just, you know, you know, I know that I'm but a worm, so step on me, God, and watch me squirm. Kind of an idea, right? I got a whole song, just by the way. It's running through my head right now. But uh, there's not this false thing, but it's just saying, here's the reality. None of us have it all detailed out. When we do that, God can be made great because when we accomplish things in his name, people go, oh, God is using you. You know how I know? Because you would never be able to do that on your own. You would never know that. You would never be there. So last Sunday, we were getting ready for service and I just kind of, yeah, I had a heavy heart. I'd heard from so many people that were really walking through some tough times and having very hard discussions and having a very tough time physically and emotionally and spiritually. And I come in here and I share that with the worship team. And little did I know that God had prepared a perfect avenue, a perfect venue, a perfect way for us to integrate this prayer time into our service. God was using both of what we were doing, the efforts of our hands and the work throughout the week and bringing them together in concert. And then it was so cool. As I finished talking to the worship team, I went to the back and I I was talking to, to Brooke and I said, hey, I just want to let you know there's a couple people that I'm just really heavy on my heart and I know you know them and you're connected. And, and as I'm sharing, she's like, look at, I'm getting goosebumps. This is crazy. And I'm like, why? What's the deal? She said, I went and I bought like a couple gift baskets, one in particular that I just, I just couldn't get this person out of my head and I had to let them know that God loves them. And I, I just put some time and energy into just pouring out all that I knew to do just to say, God loves you. Jeff, I had no idea. And as we prayed together, I just began to realize this isn't our goodness. It's not our greatness. It's Him working through us. For his glory. And people can look at us and go, see, we know you don't know about this. We know you guys are kind of just a normal group of people. But the things that happen when you do things in his name are so great, he must be at work. Unlikely people was the entrance to this. I, I move us on to this week, which is unlikely places. God uses unlikely people in unlikely places to do extraordinary things. First thing I would say is you're a masterpiece and your willingness to be available to be used by God pleases him. One of the first things that we have to take on when we understand that God wants to use us is that he wants to use us where we are. I've talked to people for a long time about Jesus because I'm like that kind of guy. One of the things that is so interesting to me is the numbers of people that say, Jeff, okay, I know I should go to church. I know I should be a part. I know I should get connected. I've just got to get a couple things ironed out in my life, and then I'll be able to do it. Here's one of the things that I respond with, and one of the things that I would just be 
bring to us tonight. If you are in a place where you're trying to iron some things out in your life and then surrender your life to God, what you're doing is called behavior modification. It's changing the way you do things so you could get a desired result. Like if maybe I change this, if I, if I stopped doing this and started doing this and pick this up and drop this, then I would be good enough to be welcomed into the kingdom by God. And here's the message of the gospel. You will never, ever, ever, ever be good enough. Well, Jeff, that's a real uplifting sermon. The message of the gospel is a gospel of freedom that says you can try from day till night, every day for the rest of your life, and you will never accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. But when God is released into your heart, when you say, do with me what you will, take me, take my life, Take me in the water and take me where I'm totally out of control. Where my trust is without borders, right? When you finally surrender to Him, that's when He begins changing things. So if you struggle with fear and anxiety, the Word of the Lord says you can't fix it. The peace and the presence of the Almighty God is the only place that we will find rest for our souls and our hearts. And it's in his timing, in his way. There's no amount of, well, I did this five times, this three times, and this two times, and now I'm feeling better. No, he says, be still and know that I am God. Those are the words that come over and over to us out of the word itself. And as masterpieces created by God, our willingness and availability to be used by Him pleases Him. So there's an, there's an artist named Monet, and uh, not like Monet, right? But like, <laughs> some of you are like, what does this mean? I don't even know. But um, if you'll just put up that slide real quick, Andrew, um, it's called Lilies. Um, there's, you can see, find it in there. Okay, so this is an art exhibit. And that's a piece of art by Monet. Um, and it does cost a lot of Monet. But um, I could really, my brain is just a mess. So um, basically people go and they sit and they take this in. And what he did is he found this place, this lake, this, this really serene uh, setting. And there was lilies and uh, different foliage growing. And, and then there was an amazing reflection on the water. And what Monet did is he said, this has created something in my heart and my mind, and he began to create art. Obviously, you guys have heard, probably, if you know art very much, um, you've heard of Monet. Monet. Now, my kids only know the ones that are named after the Ninja Turtles, or the Ninja Turtles are named after them. But, but Monet was an amazing artist. And one of the things that he did was he sat down, and with paint and texture and light, he took what he saw reflected it into art. This is by no means a Polaroid. This is by no means a direct uh, uh, photograph of what he was seeing, but it was what he was seeing through his mind's and heart's eye, an artist on display. This piece of art is worth 
millions of dollars. I mean, it's huge, first of all. But it was painted by a master painter and artist. And it wasn't the place that was the most amazing thing. Like nobody says, you know, lilies by Monet painted, you know, in Visalia, California. First of all, they wouldn't have painted Visalia. Let's just get real. But uh, painted in and, and given the location and the GPS coordinates. No, because nobody cares where it was. It's the simple fact that we have a reflection of somebody's heart and their passion and their love and their joy. And it's all on those canvases. Why do I bring this up? It's because of this. Nobody cares where you are in your journey. People, the, the Lord doesn't care. God's eye isn't going, well, you're only here, so maybe when you get here, then I can do something with you. He takes us in our unlikely places. The place where we feel most broken, most beat down, most unusable. And he says, yep, That's where I want to use you. Right where you are now. And the masterpiece by Monet does not reflect the location, but it reflects the heart of the master. And that's what we're called to do, right? To reflect the heart of the master. Most of us feel like our life is kind of this ordinary and plain existence Most of us have bills beyond our capacity or a savings plan that we're really working hard toward. And one day when I'm, you know, 943 years old, I'll be able to go on vacation. Um, Most of us have these things that weigh upon us or we have these markers. Well, when I get here, I can do this. Or when I get here, I can do this. And, And we're chasing the carrots in life is kind of the way that I call it. One of the things that uh, really accents this is maybe you're sitting here and, and you're thinking that, you know, God may have made a masterpiece, but, but my circumstances and my life, I'm just ordinary. Like you're telling me, Jeff, that my life is more of a painting and, and by the master and he loves me and I love that. And that makes me mm, feel comfy and warm. But I don't feel like that, and I don't see that. And when you come to my house, you will not see masterpiece. You will see lots of pieces everywhere. I don't know if any of you ever feel like that, because I know you guys are all put together. But have you ever walked in the house, and it feels like, you know, nuclear war has happened while you were gone that day? Like, how did this, who are the little people who came and attacked this village, right? And you, and you sit down, and it's almost like just too much to consider how would this work and go together? When we look at our lives and circumstances, wonder how anything extraordinary would come from them, God says, just give me space and I'll show you. There's a passage of scripture that we're going to put up on the screen. John 1, 45 through 46. And it's two of the guys that Jesus is calling. And they're having a conversation. It says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. So even in the beginning, even from the very beginning, when they were getting ready to have these, this, this amazing trek with Christ, this amazing journey with Jesus that lasted about three years, 
These guys are being gathered and, and they're coming. They're like, oh man, you got to meet this guy. He's blowing my mind every day. He's doing stuff. Like when he talks, like, I, I don't know. It's like lightning bolts straight to my heart. You got to meet him. And the first reaction from one of these guys is, can anything good come from there? That's kind of the way I picture my own heart sometimes. When, when I'm saying, oh man, you should see what's going on. I like to tell people about Pipeline Church all the time just because it's like seriously one of the coolest things happening in my life, right? And I'm telling them, and, and there's sometimes people like, can really? Like an old cold storage building? I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen it. Like you haven't been there and you haven't eaten the succulent foods, right? You have not seen and been with the people and you don't know and Oh, it's hard to describe, but even more, I, I know that there's times in my life where I feel like I'm telling people about Christ and they're looking at me and in my mind's eye, I feel like they're looking at me and saying, really, you? Like, like God's using you, old bald guy? Really? It's funny, kids are like no filter barometers in your life. Anybody else agree? Yes, right? And we coach a lot of kids in the community, and I've talked about that a lot, but it's funny when I finally, like, I tell some of the kids, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. You're a what? Yeah, I'm a pastor. Like, I'm a guy. I lead a church. No, no, you're too goofy, right? And I'm like, yes, thank you, right? I remember one time I was coaching football with my friend Mark and we're out at practice and they're like, did you play football coach? And I was like, yeah, I used to play football. And then they started asking me, of course, you know, football guys, we talk our stats, right? What's your 40? How much your bench, right? Like all that kind of stuff. And they're, they're, they're looking at me and they're like, okay, combination of um, you look like a bowling ball um, or a turtle, depends on the day, right? Um, you're, you're, you're a little bit older than us and you're like, super white. Like there's no way any of these magical feats you're talking about got you an all educated scholarship, right? It's those moments where I look back on my life and I look back at the places where I've been used and, and I wonder like, God, really me now here, this place, how could this be? It's the question we ask ourselves, whether consciously or subconsciously, when we take a look at our lives, can anything good come from this? Where we come from, the ordinary uh, daily lives that we live, what makes up our day in and day out, that, that doesn't determine whether God can do something with us or not. And when you ever wonder, just for yourself, can anything good come from this situation, from my life, from my experience, I want to encourage you, to, to look to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 25 is another passage that we're going to look at. It says this, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In this portion of the text, Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians, and he says this from the very beginning. 
all of the things that you see, all the things that you ask for, all of the questions you're asking in your mind so that you can have those resolved, and maybe that will lead you to a place of belief. They mean nothing. Because your questions are foolishness. And your feats of strength, they don't matter. What matters, what matters is who's behind it all. See, in my world, I am constantly in this place where I'm comparing and judging and looking and wondering, do I fit in? Do I do this? You know, how does it roll? And how does this go? And are we as big as that one? And doing this as good as another? And, and is our family doing right? You know, to be a dad of three daughters, that's kind of a tough job. Some of you are like, tell me I got way more than you, bro. Right? Some of you, like, you got a whole bunch of, you know, bucket of other things going on. Some of you are like, I don't even have a man or kids, and I got things, right? And, and there's all stages of where we're at. <laughs> Sorry. Did you like my Lucretia right there? That was, I don't know. It just comes out. Um, but we find ourselves in this place where, where we're questioning. And this is, this is what I would just proclaim tonight. Again, God wants to use unlikely people in unlikely places in their lives because then his glory is made known. Because then his goodness is made known. And for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So on your best day, you don't even come close. You don't even come close. And he says, be still and know that I am God. That I want to use you in the place that you're at. And I want to see my name made great. And you know what? I'm going to use you to do it. What may look unlikely and improbable to us may just be the right place for God to work. And God's unlikely people in unlikely places have done more amazing things throughout the course of history in this world than we could ever imagine. So really the bigger issue here is that we see things differently than God sees them. And, and we see the world in a completely different way. And sometimes what we end up doing is ruling out ourselves or those around us for God. Like, oh God, you don't want to use me. I'm a whoo wow. If you knew, let me tell you. And God says, no, like really? You, you haven't been hiding from me. I know. I'm here. And I love you. And I love you. The picture that came to my mind, um, and I'll just close with this tonight. Uh, and, and this really was a, like a visual picture that came to my mind. Okay? So some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's one of his metaphors again. Right? As I was preparing this and as I was walking through it, this, I just felt like, um, like God, the picture of God the Father walking around the garden, right? And Adam and Eve are broken and they know they've broken trust and they realize they were naked, which... Okay, let's just aside here. That would have been a really weird moment, right? Like, whoa, ah, no, ah, right? 
So they've realized, some of you, that you're going to catch this later. You're going to be like, that guy, he's so funny, right? But they've had this moment where now they see it all for what it is and they recognize it all and the, the eyes, their eyes have been opened. And what's the first place and first thing they do? They hide. And God, he, you know, they had their regular five o'clock walk through the garden meeting. And he's going, Adam, Eve, like, where are you? Like, I'm hanging out near the fig tree over here. Let's, let's do some walking. It's time. Where are you? And they're hiding. And he acts like, he gives them their space, right? But I can't, uh, like, God, like, oh, duh, I see you right there. You're not good at hiding because you've never lied before, right? Think, okay. And then he gets them and he says, why are you hiding? <laughs> What's wrong? They, they said, we were ashamed. So picture, some, some of us are like little kids that hide under the covers of our bed hoping mom and dad won't find us because we're ashamed. We know we've done something. We know we're destined, we're in trouble. And God says, even right there, I want to use you. Adam and Eve, the, the, the bigger issue for them and the bigger issue for us is not necessarily the, the sin that's there, but it's the broken relationship. It's the place of saying, I'm ashamed and I'm, no, you can't use me. I'm not going to let you because it's, it's not good. And one of the things that we have determined from the very beginning in this place is that if you call on the name of Jesus, then you will be used by the hand of God to change this world. And we're going to push you. I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you've come here for several weeks and you're not involved in the ministry, let's get started because it's time. And if you want to just come out and hang out and eat the food with us, that's not good enough. We have to go and make a difference in the world. We have to go do something. We have to be the church, not just come to church. And the message that I'm proclaiming for these last couple weeks is that we are an unlikely people in unlikely places in our lives. And God still wants to use us. And he still wants to make his name great through us to a world that so desperately needs him. Don't rob the people around you of the chance for the name of God to be made great in their lives because you feel unusable. While all the while, God is saying, no, trust me, I got this. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you right now for this night and this opportunity to be with your church and to be with such an awesome, awesome group of people who've come to hear your word, to know you, and to, to allow you to work inside their lives and hearts. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' good name that you would help us to understand the depth of your love for us. That it far reaches beyond any amount of depravity and brokenness that we experience in our lives. That, that you know that. That you are present even in the midst of that. 
thank you that your word says that while we were in the middle of sinning, while we were caught in the act of sin, you sent your son to die so that we could be made clean and whole again. And so, Father, we just come before you right now, and, and for those of us who have found ourselves in a place where, ah, oh, man, we just, we haven't been able to open ourselves up to being used by you. And we're not talking just little things. We're talking about real, out front, making your name known and making it great. We haven't been our, allowed ourselves to be used by you because we just feel like we're unworthy. Help us to recognize your amazing love. Help us to see that you're meeting us where we are. Help us to see and know you in a new and a fresh way. So if you're here tonight with everybody kind of in their moment of prayer, if you've been here before, you know this is kind of how we do things. You just need a few minutes to digest this stuff in your own headspace. And if you've been sitting here and, and there was something that caught your attention and caught your way and, and there's something in your heart that, that kind of made you call out to say, I am the most unlikely and I'm in a very unlikely place. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're too broken. Maybe you're too dirty. Maybe you're too old. Maybe you think you're too young. Maybe... You're caught in the middle of sin. The good news is Christ sent His Son for those moments. And He wants you. So if you're a believer and you've been following Christ, then, then this call and this moment is for you to say, I surrender. And I trust your love for me is bigger and greater and stronger you will fully envelop me so that the world doesn't see me, but they see your great deeds and your mighty hand at work in my life. But if you're here tonight and you are in a place where you have never made Christ your strength and your source, where you've never said, God, I want you to be in control and I totally surrender. If you're in that place, and your heart is kind of burning right now and you're just saying, no, this is the real deal. I want to give you a chance to turn your heart to the Lord tonight. And here's what it looks like. No magic, no hocus pocus. I don't sprinkle any dust around the room while you're praying. It's just simply saying, God, I am broken. I'm messed up. I need help. And I want you to be my God from this day forward. So in your moment, in your space, pray your prayer of response to the Lord. Ask Him for His presence. And let Him do His work. Father, we ask tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would make strong the weak places, that you would build us up 
that you would help us experience you in a fresh and a new way and to know you like we have not known you before. God, in the midst of my unlikely personhood and in the middle of my unlikely place, will you cover me and wrap me in your son and allow my work and the efforts that I put forward and my love for you to make your name great. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.